All right, notice verse 22. The Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And I want you to jump back to verse 16. Because notice after he names all those fruits of the Spirit that we see, he mentions against such there is no law. And then in verse 6, or on verse, uh, I'm in chapter 3, I went back too far. In verse 16 it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now we're going to go through those verses here in just a little bit. But one of the mistakes that many people make when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit is they try to teach that if someone isn't displaying the fruits of the Spirit, then they must not be saved. And the truth is that's not what this passage is trying to teach. When After he names the fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't say, you know, Whoever's not doing them is not saved. No, he just says, against such there is no law. Now, why did he bring this up? And, and I don't have time to go verse by verse through this entire chapter, but he starts out you know, talking about standing fast in the liberty uh, with you know, Christ. He's made us free. Don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And he's basically telling them, don't listen to these people that tell you that you have to keep the law in order to be saved or that you have to be circumcised specifically. He said, if because if righteousness comes by the law, then we have to do all of it. You don't just get to pick you know, one or two things. You have to do all of it. But now the thing is, though, as a Christian, you know, are we just to not even care about the law? I mean, is it just anything goes? Is it we can just do whatever we feel like doing at the time? Well, obviously that's not the case. Obviously, God wants us doing right. God does not want us violating those laws of the Old Testament. God doesn't want us doing that. So the thing is, so then how do we know what to do? Because did you know, in reality, we shouldn't need to preach. I shouldn't need to preach from the Old Testament and show you right from wrong. Did you know if you would just walk in the Spirit, you just naturally do the right thing, which is what this is teaching right here. I should just be able to say, love your neighbor, love God, and then you're going to know not to kill and not to steal and bear false witness. You know, the fact that we have to get specific all the time just shows how wicked that you are and how carnal you are. But the truth is, if we would actually practice this thing of walking in the Spirit, we're not going to break any laws because the fruit of the Spirit, the things that are produced in your life, when you are walking in the Spirit, there's no law against those things. So you're going to be fine. And I've never counted the laws. I've heard a lot of people say, talk about the 613 laws of the Torah and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's the case or not. I've not counted. I've not fact-checked that myself. But either way, you know, it's, you know, God doesn't want us living every day just looking and making sure we're doing all 613 of those things. That's not how we're supposed to live. But we also aren't supposed to live lascivious where we don't even care about any of those things. But here's what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit, we won't do any of those 613 things that we're not supposed to do. And so that's what Paul is trying to explain here. He's, and he's specifically telling these people not to walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. He's showing us that Christians, we are not under the law, but he's not teaching us just go ahead and break the law. And so as an eternally secure, saved Christian... I don't have to just sit around worrying about that list, you know, of rules. Okay, but and but just because I'm go, not going to hell, you know, 
in case I break one of these rules, God does not want me living a wicked life. And so the key to not breaking the rules, it's not memorizing them. It's not you know, getting laser focused on doing better when it comes to following that list. We will naturally do these things if we are walking in the Spirit. You know, and this is, it's like this for a lot of people. And we should teach the law. We should teach the Old Testament. But you know what should happen? If you're a spiritual person and you hear a sermon preached from a passage that maybe you haven't read yet, maybe you're a newer Christian, and you hear that, you know, explain how something's a sin, your attitude towards that should be like, I knew there was something wrong with that. You know, the Bible proved it for you. But there should be something instinctively in you that just knows certain things are wrong. And if you're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll, he'll steer you in that right direction. And so the thing is, how do I know if I'm in the Spirit? Which is what he's showing here in Galatians 5. Because the truth is, if you are walking in the Spirit, it will be manifest. That you are walking in the Spirit, just like it will be manifest if you are walking in the flesh. Now, let's look at verse 19. Notice what it says in verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So the thing is, what Paul's saying right here, he's not saying the way you know if you're walking in the flesh is, let's go back to those Old Testament laws and see which ones you're breaking. Okay? Have you ever felt like you had somebody following you around with a rule book, you know, trying to tell you everything? It's like that in church sometimes. It's like you have people following around just waiting for you to trip up, waiting for you to say something wrong, and so they can just nail your hide to the wall. You know, that's kind of how we, how we feel sometimes. But the thing is, what he's saying right here, no, these things that he names, it, they manifest themselves. When you're doing those things, just mark it down, you're not in the Spirit. If you're envying somebody right now, did you know you're not in the Spirit right now? And guess what? Christians can do all these things. You know, we see examples in the Bible of Christians doing these things, save people doing these things. What happened? Did they lose their salvation for a moment? No, they were walking in the flesh. And when they walked in the flesh, they did some really bad things that got them in a lot of trouble here on this earth, but they were still saved. But then, in verse 22, he says, now here's how it will be manifest if you're walking in the Spirit. He said you'll have, and then he names off, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. If you have those things, if those things are manifest in your life, if those are the things that somebody could look at and say, you know, you know, these are their characteristics, you're walking in the Spirit at that point. And so that's what this is ultimately about. And it's important that we understand this, that this is not about identifying whether or not someone else is saved, which is what people do with it. What this is, this is for is to help you see if you are walking in the Spirit. That's what you're supposed to do with a passage like this. But there are there are many people out there who are constantly you know, manifesting the work of the flesh but think they're in the Spirit because they're doing one or two good things. You know, you got people, some people, it's like they go to church. It's kind of like their penance every week. You know, where they go 
and you know the music gets them stirred up. They get a good feeling. They go to the altar. They say a prayer, and they have a real emotional experience. They might even shed a tear or two. And it's like, all right, I'm all cleaned up from everything I did last week. I'm a spiritual person. I mean, look at me. I got my hands in the air. And I'm even more spiritual. I got it like that. And, you know, and, and it's like, you know, you know all those things that people do. And they, because of that, they think they're doing something good. You know, we've got some people, you know, they're carnal, constantly manifesting the uh, works of the flesh. But they, they feel like, well, I'm a soul winner. Therefore, I'm good. But did you know you can you can do some of these good things and still be a sorry carnal Christian? It's it's very possible. It says in Philippians one five, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, envy and strife, aren't those works of the flesh right there? Some people are even preaching Christ through the power of the flesh. And then he says, the one preached Christ Christ of contention. Okay, Bible, doesn't the Bible say only by pride cometh contention? So notice they're preaching, but they're in the flesh. Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now, some people use this passage as an excuse to be a sorry carnal Christian, as long as you're a soul winner, you're good. No, Paul is just saying, hey, I'm just glad Christ is being preached. You know, that's good that that's happening. But did you know for you as an individual, you shouldn't be preaching Christ like this. You shouldn't do it of envy and strife. You shouldn't do it of contention. Oh, well, we just got to prove that we're the best church in town. We've just got to outdo this one church. You know, that's, I'm glad you came out soul winning. That's a good thing. If you went out and preached the gospel, you did a good thing. But at the end of the day, if your only motivation was carnal things, just mark it down. You're probably not going to be in this thing for the long haul. You know, we'd like to keep you doing this thing for, for the long term. It would really be nice, too, if we had the help of the Holy Ghost when we're out doing these things. And if we're walking in the Spirit, I think we're going to get more people saved than if we're walking in the flesh. I mean, don't under, listen, don't underestimate the power of the gospel. I mean, the gospel is powerful enough. It can even uh, have an impact when it's coming from a carnal Christian. I mean, we see Jonah getting the job done with his preaching when he had a real bad attitude, didn't he? So I just I say all that to just say that just because you're a soul winner does not mean you're a spiritual person, and it does not mean you're walking in the Spirit. I am so sick of people justifying terrible, grievous sin because they go soul winning. You're no different than the Catholic who you know goes and does his thing, penance to feel good, or the person in the charismatic church that goes and has their emotional experience to make themselves feel good, every one of those sins that they did was still wrong. And them just going and doing something spiritual in their mind does not make up for that sin. So don't, don't think that way. Don't get that attitude. Because you know, it's so easy if our checklist of walking in the Spirit, be a soul winner. I got that. Hey, as long as I go once a week, Pastor doesn't expect me to do it more than once a week. The other people in the church don't expect me to do it more than once a week. I mean, boom, I am a spirit, spiritual Christian. I go soul winning once a week. Well, that's such an easy list, isn't it? But is that all that there is to it? No, actually, the Bible doesn't even say the fruit of the Spirit is soul winning. It says it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meaning, temperance. And so if you don't have those things, if those, in fact... If the works of the flesh are more manifest in your life than the other things, 
then you're not being obedient to God. You're not a spiritual person. You're not walking in the Spirit. And in reality, that's the one thing that we have to worry about. The one thing that we should be thinking about every day is, am I walking in the Spirit? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And, you know, and, 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 I, and so, again, carnal Christians, a lot of times people use them as a way to just attack the true gospel. And we're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to change our gospel just because, you know, we don't we want to distance ourselves from carnal Christian. You know, let God deal with his children. God, you know, there's a lot of pre, there's been a lot of preachers in the past who have preached the right gospel and they turn out to be super wicked, live in wicked, lascivious lifestyles. And you know what? The devil loves to use that to try to make people think negatively about the true gospel. You have the Pharisee Christians out there that they will use them. Well, that's what happens when you preach a free salvation. That's what happens when you preach eternal security. It just gives people license to sin. Well, why, my question is, why do you think that way? Are you looking for license to sin? Oh, you know, if I believed in once saved, always saved. You know, I'd, just, I'd be out there, you know, raping and pillaging and all these. Oh, really? Is that what you want to do? What's wrong with you? And I've heard people say these things before. And it's like, no, I, I, think you're, I think you're missing the point here. You know, here's the thing. The Bible is, does teach a free salvation. That's a whosoever believeth. It's a once saved, always saved. Here's the big question. Do you believe that? Obviously, you just don't believe that. That's what it comes down to. And, uh, and we can't allow bad Christians, bad examples, to get us away from what the Bible actually clearly teaches. And the Bible does is very clear on salvation, and we're not going to uh, we're not going to mess with that. We're going to let God deal with His children. Romans fourteen four says, "Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he should be holding up, for God is able to make him stand." God's going to deal with His children. Romans two one says, "Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same thing." So. You know, we've all got our areas where we get in the flesh sometimes, where we mess up. So at the end of the day, you, what we don't ever want to do is just start being like one of these religions that starts feeling good about ourselves because we're just better than the other religions. You know, we've got more standards than the trendies, you know, so we're, be, you know, we're better than them. We've got less standards than the Pentecostals. That just proves we're not legalistic and believe in a work salvation. You know, we've, yeah, it, we, we all like to do these things where we create a set of rules and things that automatically makes us the best that there is. Uh, isn't that kind of how we all are? Yeah, I know. I'm a railer, but at least I'm a soul winner. You know, I mean, we, we all have these things, and so that, like, throws it all out, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, every group has their problems. Every church has their problems. Every individual in a church, they have their problems. God will deal with those things. God will sort those things out. We really only have one thing to worry about as Christians, and that is walking in the Spirit. So verses 22 through 23, they're telling us what things we will see if we're walking in the Spirit. If these things are in your life, you obviously are doing what you need to do to walk in the Spirit. And if not, you need to change them. Because here's the other thing too. This is, and this is kind of where I'm going with this. When it comes to walking in the Spirit, we've just got this ment mentality. All right, tell me what to do. What actions do I need to do to get me in the Spirit? What frame of mind do I need to be in? What music do I need to listen to? Because we all know the worldly music, that doesn't get you in the Spirit, right? It's only our soul-stirring songs and hymns uh, that get you in the Spirit. You know, and, and the thing is, 
I can't get up here and tell you, you know, this is what you have to do. You have to start out your morning listening to this type of music, right? This is the kind, and, you know, it's going to be the kind of music I listen to. Uh, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta read the Bible. You gotta pray for uh, at least thirty minutes, and you gotta, you gotta do all these things, and then that'll get you in that frame of mind so you can walk in the spirit. You know, I can't tell you, I can't get up here today and tell you what you need to do to walk in the spirit. I can't do it. I, I can't tell you how to get in that right frame of mind. Uh, it's not going to be done. Really what it is, it's a, it's an everyday kind of trial and error thing. And so the thing is, every day as you're going through your life, you need to be evaluating yourself. And if you did, if you had a really bad day where you were just in the flesh all day, you know what you need to do? You need to check and see what you were doing that day and say, you know what? Maybe I wasn't in a real spiritual mood because I was listening to that headbanging rap music or something. And, you know, and, and that's why I felt the need to flip everybody off out on the road and cuss people out and, you know, beat somebody up because I was listening to that stuff. You know, maybe the reason I wasn't really thinking about spiritual things, maybe it was the horror movie marathon I watched the night before that just kind of got me in a bad frame of mind. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be for you. But again, in reality, you know, God is when he's talking about the law here in the beginning of the chapter and then going into the fruit of the spirit. Too many times we just have this mentality of I got to figure out all these things to do and all these things not to do, and then I'll be a spiritual Christian. I'll, I'll be walking in the Spirit. But really, what we need to do, we need to just kind of narrow our focus a little more and just say, you know, am I showing these things? Am I doing these things in my life? Are these things being manifest in my life? And if they are, you're doing the right thing. You're walking the Spirit. If not, you're doing something wrong, and you need to figure out what it is. And so uh, let, I want us to talk about this fruit for a little bit because these are things that we ought to be evaluating ourselves with every day. And so the first thing he mentions there is love. Okay, is this something I'm known for? Okay, there's all you know. Have you ever? I, I've never wanted to ask this, but you know, what if we had to do like a word association test with people in the church, and then with each person, you know, say we had Brother Jerry come up here, and he's all by himself. None of you are in the room. And we did one of those word association tests where we, uh, we, you know, you say the first word that comes to your mind when something's mentioned, you know, and we say Matt, and then like his first word that comes to his mind is something negative or something bad, you know. And the thing is, you know, we could start doing that with, I mean, we don't want to do that. I can promise you that right now. But you know, the thing is, if, you know. A majority of our church, we were doing a word association test on you, and they're all just saying something like mean, you know, just, you know, pervert or something like, you know, chances are that's probably what you're showing in your life. That's probably what you're displaying in your life. That's not a good thing. You know, these things are the things that we ought to be showing. These ought to be the notable characteristics. If we went to your coworkers and talked to them about you, they should point some of these things out. These should be some of the notable characteristics about you. And if you're and, and if they are, that means you're walking in the Spirit. If not, if they're talking about envyings, murders, drunkenness, and all these other things, then you're in the flesh. And you've got to fix that. And so Luke chapter 6 and verse 32. And, and here's the thing about these fruits of the Spirit too. I've heard people to try to defend the accusation that they are not loving 
you know, where they'll say, oh, I'm loving. I've, I've heard people too before. Oh, they say, you know, you don't love women. Well, I do too. I love my wife. I love my mom. I love my daughters. Well, who doesn't? Okay. You know, what's, it's a, the fruit of the Spirit. Understand, lost people can show some of these things, but we are supposed to be showing this on another level that's foreign to them. And look what Jesus said in Luke 6.32. He says, For if ye love them which love you, like your mom and your, your, brother, your sisters and your daughters, your wife, if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. So do you know you're not necessarily displaying the fruit of the Spirit if you just love your family? That's super normal. A lot of lost people love their family. Did you know that you're not even necessarily showing a fruit of the Spirit type love if you just love the people in this church because we're friends? Hey, we're, you know, we, you, I mean, even the publicans will salute other publicans. So, great. You're up here defending how loving you are, and you talk about your family. Everybody loves their family. You talk about your church family. Everybody loves their friends. Everybody loves people that are like them. Now let's start talking about some other people. Now let's start talking about some of your coworkers. Now let's start talking about your neighbors. Now let's start talking about you know those family members that you know most people don't like. You know that uh, you know. Let's start talking about your mother-in-law. Let's start. No, let's not talk about the mother-in-law. Let's start, you know. Let's start talking about some of these other things. Are you showing it on this other level, like Jesus talked about? Are you loving to strangers? Great. You do nice things for the people that are in your life. For the people who can do nice things in return. What nice things do you do for other people? These are the things that Jesus brought up, and yet what we like to do to prove that we're spiritual, whenever highlighting love, we start talking about a love that even the world has. We're supposed to have a love that is foreign to the world. We're supposed to love those who hate us. We're supposed to do good to those who do evil to us. That right there is the fruit of the Spirit, and if you're displaying that kind of thing in your life, trust me, it's because you're walking in the Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you know, when people do mean things to me, I don't want to love them. I want to punch them. But you know what that's called? That's called the works of the flesh. And everybody understands that too. Just like even the world, they understand you loving your wife, you loving your daughters, you loving your mother. They all understand. They all understand that. But they also understand punching somebody that does something wrong to you. But you know what they don't understand? You loving somebody who's done evil to you. They don't get that. And that right there is the fruit of the Spirit, not just the easiest kind of love. We see the second thing that he mentions is joy. Okay? Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Well, you know what? Um, some, I, I've seen people that, you know, at ball games that look like they're experiencing joy. Is that of the Spirit? I mean, when you go to a ball game and your team's doing good and you've had a few beers, those people look pretty happy to me. They look like they have some joy. Is that the fruit of the Spirit right there? Are these people in the Spirit? No, you know what it says in James 1, 2? It says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, that's not normal right there, having joy even during temptations. It says in 1 Peter 1, 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, 
ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know what? We're all going to be very joyful when Jesus Christ returns. I'm expecting big smiles in everybody's faces on that day. But here's the thing. Do you have that joy unspeakable right now? Because that's what he was talking about here in 1 Peter. While you're going through the temptations, while you're going through trials, do you have joy now? Are you going to have joy during the tribulation? Are you have experiencing that in tribulations? Because let me tell you right now, if you were having joy in 2020, guess what? You were probably walking in the Spirit. But, you know, if you're, if you're having experiencing joy in the midst of a crisis, that's of the Spirit. And if you're having joy in the midst of, you know, the, the battles, in times when no one else would have joy, that right there is what shows the fruit of the Spirit, not just you having a good time when literally anybody would have a good time. Are you having joy when other people would not have joy? That's when you know if you really got the fruit of the Spirit or not. Is when you have joy in those situations. In Philippians 4, 5. Let's look at peace. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, peace. That's another thing right there, too. And again, I mean, this one here, this one actually kind of seems easy today because we live in America where everyone's a victim, where everyone's in turmoil, where, I mean, people have everything provided for them. We live in the easiest country in the world, but we're also like the most medicated country in all the world, too. And, I mean, to me, I think the peace one is pretty easy. Because we are also at peace. You know, we don't have soldiers out there checking on us. You know, where our lives are not at risk right now, no matter what the news media tells you. You know, we, we, are, we, we have great peace in this country. So understand, talking about this one right now, it seems funny. We can make a lot of jokes. But the thing is, the Apostle Paul, he talked about this kind of thing when he was in prison. In fact, he wrote this from prison. You know, that's pretty good when you have peace when you're in prison. When you have peace during a time when Christians are being slaughtered for their faith. You know, I'll bet there's some Christians in Afghanistan right now. You know, they're going through some tough times right now. There's some great dangers for them. But you know what? If they got some real Christians over there that are walking in the Spirit, I'll bet some of them, you know, some of them they're at peace right now. And you know what? If they have peace over there right now as a believer, you better believe they're walking in the Spirit. And understand, that kind of thing, that can only come from the Holy Spirit of God. Anybody can be at peace in this world when you live in America, when we have more than we could ever, you know, more than we need to eat, when we're not under any threat of violence, when people are already drugged up and medicated. Yeah, some, some of these people are at peace because what they're taking. You know, I've heard pot calms you down and things like that. You know, that's all legal. You know, if you can have peace... During that, folks, there's nothing impressive about that. You say, well, I'm at peace. Yes, but you're also, there's no reason for you to not be at peace. So, again, what we're talking about here is all these things, but at another level. At a time when you shouldn't have peace. Long-suffering, he mentions. In Ephesians 4.1, 
It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation whereth you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that long suffering, I mean, how much are you able to put up with? Are you somebody that knows how to deal with people long term? Are you somebody who's actually had friends? For several years, who's actually, you know, been in a committed relationship. You've got people today that just get married over and over again. Why? No ability to put up with anything. You know, they can't stay at a job for any length of time. They can't get along with anybody. They just, they don't know how to endure anything. And, you know, it is, it's just kind of instinctive for us to just run from our problems. But it's a Christian thing to stay strong in those things and continue doing the right things. And to continue loving people and caring about people. And that takes long-suffering. And, you know, it's one thing to be long-suffering with your kids. Because, again, we all know we're stuck with our kids, right? I mean, and, and, you know, you have the parents that are out there, I just can't wait till they turn 18. You know, just can't wait to turn 18 and send them out of the house. You know, that's not a good attitude either. But at least they know to be long-suffering until their kids are 18. You know? But it's like, as Christians, we don't have anything legally binding us together. So, you know, all we can have is just that fruit of the Spirit and just be long-suffering. And you know what? We should have that. That's, that is expected. You all know everybody would shame you and think you were scum if you just kicked your, you know, five-year-old out of the house. But, you know, and so you put up with that. But in America today, you can just, you know, leave a church whenever you want, not want to put up with anybody, just be one of these Internet-only Christians that just watches sermons online and talks about how hardcore they are. But literally never have to be long-suffering. They, they don't even have to display that in their life. Oh, well, if this preaching starts getting on me too much, I'll just go switch to somebody else. I mean, there's probably three of them right now that just switched to a different live stream right now because of what I said right there. You know, why, why is that? You know, they, they do these, they're, they're this way because they have no ability to put up with anything. If that's you, you're not walking in the Spirit. You should be able to put up with some stuff. You should be able to deal with the, some people with some issues and unfortunately you know people aren't doing that today and it's because they are in the flesh he mentions gentleness first thessalonians 2 7 says but we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherish cherisheth i can't say cherisheth cherisheth her children hey gentleness you know we ought to not only be long-suffering but while being long-suffering being kind and gentle with people some people, they think they are long-suffering, you know, while they're yelling at somebody. You know, why can't you figure this out yet? Are you stupid? Are you a heretic or something? You know, why can't you, why, you know, why can't you get this? You know what? Sometimes it takes people a while. And while you're putting up, it's, you know, part of putting up with people and being long-suffering is being gentle at the same time. And a lot of people, they're long, you know, they think they're long-suffering, because they can yell at people for a really long time. But no, you need to be gentle too at the same time. You need to help you need to help them out. And unfortunately, that's missing a lot of times. And you know, and I don't want to preach a sermon on gentleness right now. I think one of the biggest reasons we don't see gentleness with a lot of Christians today, it's insecurity on their own part. You know, it's like they want to force people into conforming to their beliefs. Now my question is, why would you even want that? Why would you want to force somebody to accept something they don't really believe? You know, and I want people to 
actually believe it. And so the thing is, if your goal is to actually change somebody's mind, what makes you think screaming at them is going to help? I'm not talking about preaching. Okay, When we preach, we scream, we have to get a little crazy, otherwise you all start daydreaming. And we don't, you know, we we got to do something to get your attention. So we might have to foam with the mouth a little bit. But, you know, I promise, you know, after church, if you ask me a question about something, I'm not going to scream at you, you know, like, like I do from the pulpit. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure I won't do that. I don't think I've done that to anybody. But we should have that gentleness. And, again, like all these other things, it's at a time when other people wouldn't be gentle. And, and this is hard. You know, I, I used to teach in school. And sometimes kids were just dumb, and I just wanted to, you know, Jason was showing me a hilarious video yesterday of these, these two black kids made where they're like, it's like the mom screaming at her son trying to give him an answer, a math problem, and she's like, well, swinging a belt, <laughs> you know, over his head, and then he answers it wrong and smacks him with the belt. It, it, was, it was hilarious. It was, it, was really, it, was, it was really funny. But, I mean, that's how we are with people a lot of times. And, and we do because we often lose control. And so that's why we get so crazy like that. And then we run people off and then we wonder why. You know, I, don't, I just don't see why people are getting it. You know, there's a lot of pastors. They've been known for going and they take a church. And the first thing they do is just clear the church out. You know, they just destroy every church they go pastor. And their attitude is, nobody can handle my preaching. No, maybe, maybe you have no ability to handle people. Maybe you have no ability to show, be long-suffering and gentle. And I'm, I don't know. I think I could probably clear this place out if everything you all just weren't getting completely right. If I just got up here and just went off on you. And I've heard stories of preachers doing that. I don't know if these are preacher stories or if they really happen. But my favorite preacher story I ever heard was a pastor got up one time and just as serious as could be, he started apologizing to his church. For not preaching things that he should start, he should be preaching. And then he started going up to people in the church, you know, and he'd be like, "Hey, you know, brother, you know, brother so and so, you know, I'm sorry, I haven't been preaching about, you know, how uh, you know you shouldn't skip church for ball games. You know, you've been doing that, taking your kids to the ball games, and you know, I should have been preaching harder against that, but I just, I just kind of let it go. And uh, you know, sister so and so, you know." You haven't been dressing like a Christian lady ought to dress. And I should be preaching about that kind of thing. So you know not to dress that way. And, and he did. He just started like going to everybody and just kind of pointing out their sins and apologizing for not preaching on their sins. I think that cleared church up pretty good. He finally points to this one guy that's sitting in the back. You know, he's like, you know, hey, brother, brother so-and-so. And then he's just like, and then after he would do that too, he'd ask the people to forgive him. And then he did, and he gets to the one guy, he's like, Brother so-and-so, it's like, and the, and the guy just stopped and said, Preacher, whatever it is, I forgive you. You don't even need to say it. <laughs> and, you know, you could probably clip, you know, and the thing, I'm not even going to say that was wrong if that even really happened. I think that was a preacher story. Preacher stories usually didn't really happen, but, but they make a great illustration. But that's not an example of being long-suffering in general. And so if you do, if you're, if you're clearing your church out that way, it's not because they have a problem, it's because you have a problem. And we've got to learn to have some gentleness with people and to just give people time and to still be loving even if they do not conform to what we want them to do right away. That's just part of being a spiritual Christian. He mentions goodness. And, uh, and he says it's in Ephesians 5, 5, For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words, 
For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye sometime, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Something that ought to be notable about you is that you are just a good person. That you're not participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. And I've been there before. You know, so I've, I've worked in factories for years throughout my life. And there are, there's always been that segment, of, especially when I was in Spring Valley. I mean, that place was like a village. And the gossip in that place was just off the charts. You know, the way stories would circulate, everybody was talking. And you always had certain people that were just kind of the leaders of those things. And they were they were known for that, just known for certain sins. And, you know, here's the question. You know, what are you known for in your workplace? You know, what if we did go checking up on you people? What if we went, you know, we're, we're never going to do this, don't anybody freak out. But what if we did start talking to all your neighbors and just went and, hey, you know, what kind of family is this? You know, and their first word, loud, because they hear you fighting, screaming all the time. You know, but the thing is, goodness ought to be one of those things. You know, hey, you know, they're good people. He's a good man. That ought to be a testimony. What does that mean? We don't see them doing these other, you know, we don't see them acting like everybody else. We don't see them getting caught up in all the junk that goes on. And there are, there's even lost people that you work with that they don't like a lot of the, that wicked sinful stuff that goes on they're turned off by those things and we ought to always be somebody who is separate from those things and we ought to be people of faith he mentions he says in second corinthians 5 6 therefore we all are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight we are confident i say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord and let me just briefly explain what it means to walk by faith. What it means to walk by faith is just we, our actions are guided by the Word of God, even when it goes, it appears to be going to our disadvantage. And so what, what does that mean? It means I'm going to do the right thing just because God said so, even though it looks like this is going to hurt me. Even though it looks like this isn't going to help me, I know based on the Word of God that God would rather me do this. And so I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust him to give me a better outcome. That's pretty much what it is. We're just, we're people of faith. We've got some guiding principles in our life. We're not just doing what we feel like we're doing. We're not just going to go and get out of the will of God because somebody waves a couple bucks an hour more in our face. That's going to cause us to get out of the will of God. No, we're going to do things sometimes that work to our disadvantage because it will get us in the will of God. It will help us to do the things that we know God wants us to do. And, and I've seen it before, too, where people, they will, they, they will up and leave a good church and move somewhere where there is no decent church so they can make a few thousand more a year. I, I think that's a terrible idea. You know, why would you go and uproot your family and take them away from you know, you know, these good things that you get in a church just for a little more money? And then it's like, too, a lot of these people didn't even do the math. It's like, uh, have you even checked cost of living over there? Great, you're making $5,000 a year more, but you're also going to be spending 10 more. You know, it's, it's amazing some of the foolish decisions people make just because they get tempted by one thing. And you know, if we would actually look at the whole package and keep the things of God first, if we would seek first the kingdom of God, 
all these things that we're not supposed to take thought of are going to take care of themselves. And that's what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we ought to have meekness. But 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness is another thing. You know, while I'm, you know, we ought to be very confident in what we believe, you know what? There ought to be an attitude of meekness where we're not just in everybody's face. We're not just beating people over the head with our position. And I know it's hard. You know, this is something I got I struggle with sometimes. But it's something that uh, I, it goes a long way when you have that little meekness. When it, when, and I, I think of meekness as a strength, but under control. You know, where you are, you're capable. I mean, you might be capable of really blasting the opposition and just proving to them how stupid they are. But you know, it might be better to actually just handle it with meekness. And you know, if you do that, you actually might change their mind. But when you blast them, pride is going to set in. You're probably never going to get anywhere. Uh, last thing, temperance is mentioned. 1 Corinthians 9.25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. What's this talking about? This is talking about self-control. Just having some temperance. You're able to control yourself. You have control of your emotions. You have control over your spirit, your actions, your anger, whatever it is. You're somebody that's capable of controlling yourself. People are watching you, and you should be displaying that in your life. I, and I remember too when I when I worked in Spring Valley, you know, people, there was a couple of people I worked. With, they said it was their goal to get me to cuss. That was one of the things they wanted to do. And I always told them, I was like, you're not going to get me to cuss. I was like, it's like, I said, I'm not perfect, but that's just one area I have control in my life. You know, I, I don't cuss. I just never have. And, it, and it's still that way. And I remember one day I was unloading pallets of soda, cans of soda, and I had two pallets double stacking each other, and I turned too fast and I spilled both the pallets. I mean, and just cans of soda everywhere. Huge mess. And I just, you know, and of course, I was upset and I just, I just kind of sat, stood there for a minute and just, you know, you just looked at it. You just kind of, you kind of count to 10 in your mind. And then I got off the lift and I just started picking everything up and I look up and there are these guys all standing there looking at me. <laughs> And I'm a little aggravated, you know, and I was just like, what are you looking at? And they were just like, we were seeing if you were going to cuss. <laughs> I was like, well, you're going to have to keep waiting. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, people are watching. People are watching and you have to be able to control yourself. And if you're just somebody that's constantly messing up in that area, you know what? It's because you're not walking in the spirit. That's what it comes down to. And so I'm not going to stand here today and tell you do this and this and this and this and you'll walk in the Spirit and you won't walk in the flesh. I, I, I can't do that for you. You know, we're all different. We all have our areas where we struggle. The question is, are you seeing these things? Are they being displayed in your life? If they're not, it's because there's something in your life that's messing that up. There's something in your life that's causing you to walk in the flesh and that's why the other things are being manifest. And you know what you need to do? You need to let the Holy Spirit point those things out to you. Okay, don't make me stand up here or don't make me follow you around for the day. I could probably do that. If I just went and I just spied on you for a day and followed you for a day and I saw everything you were doing, I'll bet I could come up with a few reasons for why you struggle with walking in the Spirit. But here's a question. Did God provide me as a pastor to do all these things or did He give you the Holy Spirit? He gave you the Holy Spirit. 
And so you shouldn't need me to do this. You shouldn't need me to just go through the entire Old Testament to show you what all the sins are to get you doing right. You know what you should have? The Holy Spirit. You should have the Holy Spirit in your life and say, I don't know if I do. This is how you know. Galatians 5 tells you. And I promise you, just like I preached about a couple weeks ago, if you pray that prayer of search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my ways, see if there be any way, He will show you. I promise if you go out tomorrow and you say, all right, I'm going to figure out why I keep displaying these works of the flesh. I, Lord, I'm asking you, show me. And I'm telling you, He's going to show you stuff so fast it's not even funny. He's probably, and he's, he's probably going to get on to you about what you're listening to on the radio and what you're watching on the television or whatever. He's going to get on to you about those things and understand he's doing that because those things are keeping you from many great rewards. They're keeping you from walking in the Spirit. And this is, our, this is really our one job. This is our one thing we need to worry about as Christians today. We don't have to worry about 613 rules. We need to worry about are we walking in the Spirit. And we've been given exactly the fruit to show us if we're doing that. And so let's make sure we have those things on display. That is our job. And as a church, I expect this from our people as a pastor. You should expect it from me. We should expect it from each other. And we should challenge each other on these things. And I hope you'll do that. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, wonderful passage of Scripture. I pray you'll help us, Lord, to use these things, Lord, not to figure out how to judge other people but how to look at our own lives. And I pray that you'll help us to uh, just daily, uh, Lord, put off that old man, put on that new man. And I pray that these, the fruit will be uh, very uh, apparent in our lives and you'll help us be a great testimony as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.